Shishi Gorada Madhava Ki Gor Bhaktavinda Ki Gor Premanande The microphone didn't work? No, it worked. It was okay. I just think she didn't have time to set up the video tonight. So it worked okay, though? Yeah. Okay, so any questions tonight? I just wanted to ask you if you could say something about Gorkishore Das Babaji. Well, Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj was the uh, guru of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur. Once, one of my god brothers who was serving under the inspiration of Gurdev, Gurdev Bhakti Raksakshi Goswami Marsh and had started a, a, um, an ashram, had um, established an altar there, and following the um, inspired uh, talks of Guru Maharaj with regard to the um, idea of a dynamic, I would say, idea of the Guru Parampara, that um, basically um, spoke about the need to be and the value of being connected with a Param Vaishnav, um, typically through Diksha, but sometimes, as may be the case, um, through Diksha one might be related to the Parampara, but the Diksha Guru may um, not have as much influence on the disciple as a Siksha Guru, hmm, who may have more knowledge in Bhakti and so forth. And um, and so Pujapat Sridhar had talked about the way in which the, the line, if you will, is drawn sometimes in a crooked way, like the Ganges. Hmm? So the connections here and here and here, something like that. The idea being that if you want to draw the line of the Parampara, another way of talking about it, that it makes sense to some extent to draw a line by way of um, highlighting the prominent luminaries in the line. Gurmash gave the example of um, science. So there's a long lineage in modern science of scientists. And um, at the same time, if we were to make a list of all the scientists from the dawn of the scientific revolution till now, I mean, it would go around the, the flat earth a few, <laughs> a few thousand times. Um, and so, <laughs> so um, rather, what's done, or instead, is we, we might make a line that included uh, the big luminaries like Copernicus, um, Galileo, um, uh, Newton, uh, Einstein, um, and so forth, and connect generations of scientists by the excuse me by way of making a list of people that really stood out and made a a um, earth-shattering kind of contribution. It's not to say that everybody else isn't the bona fide scientists in, in there and so forth, but we can't 
necessarily name them all. There is a tradition, um, and still a tradition, in some of the Gaudi lineages that wherein at the time of initiation you get a letter confirming that you're, you're initiation. It has the list of the names of the gurus in your parampara. Mm-hmm. And um, along with their siddha identities. Mm-hmm. In Krishna Leela, um, uh, it's uh, a system in, in some, some lineages. And um, and so it's thought that that's very important. It's really just kind of a detail that could be in place or could not be. And obviously that uh, bears out over time. Gaudiya Vaishnav Sampradaya is about 500 some odd years old. But in 10,000 years, that would be quite a list. You'd have a Diksha, Diksha Granta, a book of names and, and so forth. And you're supposed to memorize them all, meditate on them all, and, and so on and so forth. So... Um, it would be a bit impractical, and it's kind of that uh, way of talking about it sheds light on the relativity of such. Not that all the gurus are to be honored, and and uh, and so forth, and also siddha pranali. Pranali means line, so uh, this term is used in some of these uh, Gaudi lineages with regard to the diksha patra and other procedures and whatnot at the time of initiation. So siddha pranali means line, and siddha means siddhas. So. Um, Uttipad Sridhar also made the point that if there's going to be a Siddha Pranali, they need to all be Siddhas. So a lot of the Pranalis, the lines, were not necessarily all Siddhas, and and quite not in some <laughs> some instances and so forth. So um, this way he crit- critiqued, if you will, uh, or responded to some critiques of our lineage where we don't give the Dikshapatra and and um, uh, some other formalities that are used in some of the lineages are not applied in ours. If you take, for example, Hari Bhakti Vilas, there's a couple of different um, procedures outlined for uh, giving diksha. What's required, the diksha patra doesn't have to be mentioned in there, by the way. Um, but um, uh, I think maybe after the third one, he says, or, you know, if you can't do this, just, Imparting the mantra is is basically the sum and substance of the diksha. If you follow me, so um, um, sometimes we misidentify perhaps details with principles, and it can become a problem down the road. So, at any rate, the uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarshatthakur was initiated by Gorakshar Das Babaji Maharaj, but the Babaji was quite an unorthodox fellow himself. We can go into that a little bit. I mean, he lived um, as, an, as a real avadut. Hmm? You were asking about that term the other day. Um, he would uh, he took up residence in a field where people would pass stool so that no one would come and bother him hmm? with so-called interest in bhakti. Because he didn't see people who were really that much interested, and he didn't want to be served, and so on and so forth. So there was a rich fellow that wanted to um, had everything going socially, except he didn't have a guru to pull out of his pocket and say, "I'm my guru, Dave, is so and so." And so he picked uh, the Gorakshardas Babaji, who was uh, had a reputation for for being an abadut and being a siddha and so forth, and, and uh, so he 
approached him to be initiated by him. And, and Babaji Maharaj, the story goes, told him that, yes, um, no problem. Um, and the, 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 the merchant, wealthy man, had said, you know, Babaji, I want to be a disciple, whatever you want, whatever you ask, I will do. And he was thinking, you know, what does he want a hut? You know, I can give him a, a house if he wants, you know, so no problem. So Babaji Maharaj agreed, yes, he said, I have only one request, and that is that you stay here with me. <laughs> and he ran away from that place. So, um, I mean, he would wear clothes that were thrown away after the cremation of the bodies. He would pick up um, the, the remnants, and that would be his attire at times. Other times he wore silk cloth, and so forth. The people would think he'd become a materialist. So they would stay away from him, and uh, he'd wander around. He was almost uh, uh, blind. Um, so a lot of those little anecdotes about him and so forth. And and it was Bhaktivinoda Thakur who um, in, uh, told his son, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, Bimalpashad, you should take diksha from Korkashur Das Babaji Marsh, who used to come to the Bhagavatam classes of Bhaktivinoda. So they were contemporaries in the field at the time. Babaji Maharaj was an avidut and uh, extremely renounced in his behavior, and Bhaktivinoda was a family man of 10 or 12 children. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Vaishnavism is peculiar in, in that way, that uh, there's not necessarily a stereotype, and uh, Therefore, if it said Vaishnavera Kriyamudna Bhignana Bhujaya, it's difficult to understand the activities of a Vaishnava. If they go to the heart to see what's motivating them, they could act in ways that look like a worldly person or like a renunciate or somewhere in between. So, um, at any rate, Bhima um, uh, Prashad tried then to get initiation from Gorkishore, and Gorkishore um, said to him, Well, I'll, I'll ask Mahaprabhu. Come back later. So after some time, uh, Imam Prashad went and asked him again. He said, he didn't give me a reply yet. <laughs> and uh, so he avoided giving initiation. Um, but um, I think at some point, Siddhanta Sarasthitak was in conviction that he would that he had to have initiation from Gorkashore and nobody else was um, um, extreme and brought to the attention of Babaji Maharaj. Maybe, maybe as an antidote, I think he was prepared to commit suicide or something to this effect. So it is said by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitapur that he did accept him and told him that you will realize your swarup in the syllables of the Mahakari Krishna Mahamantra. So what exactly was involved in the, in the initiation and so forth um, other than, I mean, there may be more to it than that, but that that's one thing that Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitakur said. So, in effect, he gave him the blessing that through the through Nam everything will come to you. And this was the emphasis of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitakur. Of course, he also gave the Diksha mantras and so on and so forth. But um, um, at any rate, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitakur became the great um, Prabhupada and opened 64 um, monasteries in, in Bharata, in India, and sent the first Gaudiya missionary to the West. And it was very, of course, we know all these things, but just to 
say briefly an overview, a, a very innovative person who critiqued his own tradition and uh, was the chief uh, or the the main, um, I would say, um, uh, principal assistant of of Bhaktivinoda Thakur in bringing about the vision of the Thakur to see, as it was, Gaudiya Vaishnavism uh, stand on the stage of the world religions and be unnoticed by the, what to speak of, by the local people, by the British and uh, and the world over, and so on and so forth. So, as Sridhar used to say, that uh, the idea came in Bhakti Vinod and and was given shape by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur and later Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over the world, something like that. So, so the point I'm making is that Bhakti Siddhanta's work was extraordinary, mm-hmm. and it's um, and he one of the things that his mission was doing um, was attracting educated people, educated young men and women who were um, otherwise caught up in the Swaraj, the call for liberation um, uh, from the political vantage point um, broadcast by um, Mohandas Gandhi. Hmm? That was a huge um, political uh, revolution that uh, that the um, um, especially young young men were were caught up in. It had religious overtones and so forth, but it was a political um, revolution and cry for liberation, freedom um, for the Indian subcontinent and so on and so forth and um, I mean you know the story maybe you've seen the movie of Gandhi and, and uh, the fasts that he did and the, and the, the marches and uh, and so on and, and and it was you know was successful um, but at any rate Bhakti Siddhanta was able to bring people out young men out of the Gandhi movement hmm? To join his uh, idea of liberation, which was to attain prem, and uh, you know he had he would explain that the, the lower level idea of um, liberation, as posited by by Gandhi and so forth. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was of the opinion, with regard to political um, issues that are current today, um, different sides of the divide and so forth. He he was a, a, he and Bhakti Siddhanta were uh, in India at a time when the British were ruling. Hmm? Gandhi was starting his revolution and so forth. And Bhakti Vinodak was of the opinion, well, you know, we're free to practice our religion, so I'm not going to get too worked up about it. Hmm? If I wasn't free to practice my my religion, then it'd be and I'd join the revolution. But as long as I am, uh, I'm Mahaprabhu lived under the regime of. Nawab Hussein Sah and uh, Dwarkavasi, the, the Maturabasis and Rajabasis lived under the reign of Kamsa. So there have been oppressive regimes uh, that Vaishnavas have, have, have lived under and uh, flourished. So um, um, these are the kind of 
points uh, and more, of course, that Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati drew on um, in such a way as to as to collect young, educated young young men and women, um, and bring them into the fold of of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, and, and by way of also shedding new light on what Gaudiya Vaishnavism was, which was not respected, even as I say, in its hometown, hmm? misunderstood, and so forth. If you didn't, if your caste was in question, and you would just say, "I'm I'm a Gaudiya," and then think that you and you gain respectability amongst the Gaudiya people who didn't have respectability amongst the educated Hindu people, and so forth, um, which is also it's just as, a, as an aside, it's, it's it's obvious by that that the Gaudiya people um, had were of the opinion that their practice transcended the caste system. You can't just declare I'm a Gaudiya and, and not act like one and so forth and transcend the Varnashram. But at any rate, um, uh, the work of Bhakti Siddhanta, the point I'm making, is, was extraordinary. Hmm? And uh, he was very much, um, uh, again, a, a critiquing his own um, tradition on the one hand, and as Bhaktivinoda was doing, kind of wrestling authority out of the hands of certain people who were um, not um, representing the mission in a way that would ever have credibility the world over, and in some instances would not um, be of much benefit to those that came under their tutelage as well. So you had to wrestle authority away, and at the same time, um, Interface with uh, you know other traditions, modern modernity, and so on and so forth. So it was an extraordinary uh, work. Anyway, so long story short, he did was an extra was was one of those big luminaries that you would have to you know, Einstein and Newton uh, and so forth, uh, Copernicus that you would 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 list. Um, whereas. Gorkishore does Babaji Maharaj, I mean he only had one disciple which was which is Bhakti Siddhanta. So when my godbrother was making his altar, as I was saying, he was thinking about Guru Maharaj's explanation of the dynamic Guru Parampara and he thought, Well why keep Gorkishore Das Babaji's picture there? Because he's was well, he didn't do anything really prominent. You know, Bhakti you know prominent. Um uh, Bhakti Vedanta Swami prominent contribution. Um this um uh Bhakti Siddhanta such a prominent contribution, so he took the picture off the altar. Now it's on the altar in the Chaitanya Saraswati Mahat, and of course it was on the altar in all of Prabhupada's Iskon temples and so forth. So anyway, the news came to Sridhar Maharaj, and he was outraged at, at this. And so um, that devotee put the picture back on there. But then he asked, he said, well, you know, what was the contribution of Gorkishore? And then Sridhar Maharaj replied, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Dhaka. So, <laughs> one, 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 one disciple like that is a pretty big contribution, so to speak. Hmm? So, something about Gorkashore, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Dhaka. Uh, otherwise, um, he was, uh, as they say, uh, um, living in the Dham and, um, and uh, very um, overtly um, renounced um, 
and there are many anecdotes about that um, and his way of dealing with insincere, less than ardent appeals for siksha and connection with him and, and bhakti and and so forth. Um, and in his own way, I say, I guess he was also naturally a, a, a critiquing the tradition, although not in an overt way, like Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati One anecdote comes to mind, um, and I've told it before, but um, uh, on one occasion a famous uh, Bhagwat um, speaker came to uh, Navadvip to give a discourse on the Bhagavatam, and he set up shop right near where Gaurakashore Das Babaji was staying. And uh, it would appear that his intention in doing that was that if I give the by my Bhagwat discourse here, certainly Babaji Maharaj will come. He's going to be living right, he's right next door to it. And then I'll be able to say, even Gaurakashore comes to my Bhagavatam classes to see. But Babaji Maharaj did not attend. And afterward he was asked by one um, one fellow, and he said, one fellow was asked by Gorkashore, could you clean that place over there? And then he said, Babaji, um, you know, how can I clean a place? The Bhagavat was just spoken there for seven days. He said, Babaji Maharaj replied, you heard the Bhagavat? All I heard was rupee, rupee, rupee. <laughs> hmm. So it's kind of a lot of anecdotes like that, the kind of person um, that he that he was. Um, um, is there's an anecdote given by Keshava Maharaj, the uh, godbrother of Prabhupada, who took sannyas from Sridhar Maharaj, whom Prabhupada took sannyas from, who was the guru of uh, Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj, who was, was uh, in more recent times and had toured the world. Um, Keshav Maharaj actually had the opportunity to get the association darshan of Gorakshore Das Babaji. And at one time when he had locked himself in a, in, in, the, in, a, in a bathhouse somewhere and he was chanting wildly and, um, and he wouldn't come out. And he was just so, he was acting very oddly, if you will, and in, in some way maybe endangering himself in his madness. And um, and I, I forgive me, I can't remember the details, but somehow Keshav Maharaj, um, who was a new disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta at the time, um, was there and said something to him, asked him, you know, come out, and and um, and when it became known to him, Gorkashore that he was a student of Bhakti Siddhanta, then he and he said, Oh, well then I'll come out to see you. So Bhakti Siddhanta was initiating disciples. This is another point. Um during the presence of Gorkashore Das Babaji and Bhakti Vinod Thakur. So he had been asked to start a mission by Bhakti Vinod Thakur to preach. And Thakur gave him the mission to start with of establishing the Yoga Pit, the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and um, some other things. And so he was was doing that kind of work. And um, um, and so Keshav Marsh was, uh, was um, in effect a witness to the 
Babaji's own acknowledgement that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitaka was his disciple, which some people questioned because he didn't have the Diksha Patra, you know, and you know, and so on. His his testimony should have been sufficient in itself. Testimony of reliable persons of, of obvious saintly character. This is, is supposed to be reliable. Hmm? And he was obviously a saintly character. His Bhaktisiddhanta moral character was impeccable, and uh, many people with uh, um, in different fields and so forth wanted the young Bhimal Prashad, you know, to be part of their, their group and whatnot. Um, but he, he followed the advice of Bhaktivinoda, became the follower of Gorkishore, started a mission. One of his early um, students and was also um, was initiated in the presence of Gorkishore, Das Babaji, and Bhaktivinoda Thakur. And the Babaji Maharaj predicted that he would become a great sannyasi and preach around the world. And um, that was was who, who became um, Bhakti Pradeep Tirtha Maharaj, and had and did go to England and and so on. So that's uh, something some some prediction along those lines about him taking sannyas, which is a thing that Bhakti Siddhanta did later. He started a sannyas order and so forth. So anyway, I'm just saying. There's a couple of anecdotes that that. Uh, uh, Validate the um, the connection between Gorkishore Das Babaji and Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, and of course he's also connected the Thakur to Bhakti Vinod, and so our line goes like this, and this to the two of them, and so on and so forth. Um, um, but it's interesting to note that that of course Bhakti Vinod and Gorkishore, and for that matter Bhakti Siddhanta, were all very different. In their behavior, Babaji Marsh was an abadut. Bhakti Vinod was a family man. Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati and an author, and and a working person working in the British government as a magistrate. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was a Naistika Brahmachari, later a sannyasi, preacher, and traveling widely. And so these are three really different codes of. Warrant play out differently in terms of behavior and and so on. Bhakti 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 Gorkishore does Babaji was not a preacher. Told Bhakti not to don't bother with that. Just be a big headache. All kinds of people come and be a big headache. Do bhajan. Bhakti Vinod wanted him to preach all over the world. <laughs> Bhakti Vinod was very um, kind of um, had a very kind of liberal, broad-minded kind of. Perspective, kind of in like a needle, and Bhakti Siddhanta was out like a plow, very heavy, and um, and but they were all doing the same thing. They all had the same thing in mind. Scripture talks in different ways at different times, in different places, and if you study the Goswami's work, you see how it's all really saying the same thing if you understand it properly. Hmm? So. Uh, so so much for the stereotype of what how someone's supposed to be and so on and so forth. Um, but um, yes, his contribution was uh, immense, and um, and um, 
There have been some things written about him also by scholars. There's a book about um, mad saints, I think, in India, that, and Babaji Maharaj's is uh, some anecdotes about him are found in there, um, based on uh, personal testimony, eyewitness testimony that this scholar had, uh, you know, researched and found out. The one thing I remember is that he um, was uh, seen to have acquired an eggplant, forbidden in Hari Bhakti Vilas, and offered it <laughs> to Krishna, like this, raw, and then sat down and ate it. That's an avidut. So it's not just, uh, you know, like Balaram, avidut like that. You have to eat raw eggplants after offering them. So, <laughs> so, um, so a very extraordinary person uh, and um, kind of reminiscent of uh, more ancient, you know, stories and whatnot about mystics and and so on and so forth. Um, it's said the Goswamis lived under a different tree every night. Of course, they were actually writing books and opening temples. And they were, in one sense, more like Bhakti Siddhanta, Sarasthi than Gorkishore. Um, but uh, Nityananda was this extraordinary Abhadut, as we know. So, yeah, today's his uh, appearance day or disappearance day. What is the codice tomorrow then? Today. Oh, today's the codice. Oh, that's why you have those. Those things for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> it was raw egg, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just see. So did Babaji Maharaj ever instruct uh, Saraswati uh, Thakur? Uh, after his initiation? His yeah. Yeah, there were instructions. He told him to um, uh, to study, I think, and, and to s- circulate Satsandarbha. Hmm. I know that. And he gave him other advices and and so on. Which is, you know, the book about Tattva. He didn't say circulate the Govindalilamri to everywhere. Hmm. So get the ground in place, something like that was the order of books. So yeah, he gave him some instruction. But he was n- he, but I would say that Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthakura got more instruction from Bhakti Vinod. So Bhakti Vinod was his Nam Guru. Hmm? Bhakti, he had given him Nam and Sringa Mantra, I think, Bhakti Vinod. And, and, and then he gave, gave him, encouraged him to, to make a connection with Gorkishore. Exactly what transpired. All the details we don't know, but this is one thing we heard, you know, you're probably realized in the syllables of the Mahamantra. So, his whole emphasis in his campaign was about kirtan, hmm. the power of kirtan to bring about inner life and so forth. So, yeah. Um, I've heard it said that uh, one shouldn't take shiksha of like. Um, that's like too far gone, like um, too advanced. If he's not qualified to like completely um, take advantage of it, um, I guess my question is like, to what extent is that true? 
Well, you can't take siksha from someone who can't give it. And they might not be able to give it for two reasons. One reason means that they don't know. <laughs> they're not qualified to give it. Another reason they're too far. Like, uh, it's hard to take shiksha from Gorkashore if he, you know, if he's not, a, if he's um, mad and half gone, you know. So, I think the point that you're referring to is that that connection with a very advanced devotee who is an abadut and so forth. It may be required that along with that one has a siksha guru who's who's more externally conscious who can actually teach you. You know, if you look at Brihad uh, Bhagavatamrita and Gopakumar, his guru was rather an abadut and didn't give him any instructions and was wandering in the brudge and singing and weeping and, and, and so forth, gave him mantra and went away and so forth. But in the context of his journey, he, he had a number of siksha gurus who gave him um, practical ad, advice, like Narada, and and Uddhava he met and and so on and so forth. So he has these six gurus along the way, and they give him considerable um, instruction as it's related in the, in the text. So arrangement was made that he could get the, some theoretical um, teaching. Um, so could work like that as as well. Um, But to be connected with a superlative Vaishnava is important, even if he can't teach us too much. Um, in a practical sense, uh, Gorgashore does Babaji was illiterate, so he probably didn't have a whole bunch of verses on the tip of his tongue and, and whatnot, but he was realized in the tradition. Um, and I would say, as I mentioned, I mean, Bhakti Vinod, on the other hand, was writing many, many books. So Bhakti Siddhanta was reading them, studying them, and getting a, an ocean of siksha from Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Hmm. Even while they got the diksha from Gorkashwara's Babaji Marsh. Now, it's interesting to note that um, some people make the case that if you're initiated by somebody if you've had taken Harinam from somebody, then you have to get their blessing to take diksha somewhere else, or you have to get their blessing to take siksha somewhere else, or would speak of taking sannyas or something like that. Um, and that's not a bad idea. Um, but um, it's more incumbent upon the Nam Guru to give such a blessing than it is upon the disciple to to to, to ask. Um, it's It's... I mean, it's a formality that makes sense and is respectful and so on and so forth. But um, some persons in the modern day have turned this into kind of a thing where they, they have control over the disciple in such a way that his own will or her will to follow their faith and have association is, is overruled hmm, by some type of law. Now, they didn't come under that... Harinam Guru by any kind of law. They came under that Guru by faith. Hmm? If for whatever reason their faith is taking them to another Guru in the Parampara, let's say, for taking Mantra Diksha, hmm, then it's really incumbent upon their Nam Guru to, to bless them to follow their faith, not to overrule their faith and their will 
um, um, so this is a, it's not relative to your question, but it's something that comes to my mind. And um, you know, we have many examples. Mahaprabhu didn't ask Ishvara Puri permission to take sannyas from Keshava Bharati Maharaj. He went in the middle of the night. He didn't ask Keshava Bharati Maharaj for permission to hear from Ramananda Roy. Ramananda Roy said, did you get permission from your guru? You better walk, you know, a thousand miles back and get that. Um, so we can see how this kind of thing is can be abused to like like turn a disciple into into property and, um, and make him into an insurance pol- an old age policy. You know, make sure you've got your bodies at the, at the end of your life, or to maintain your ashram, your institution, and so forth. Um, some people seem to think that's fully justified to um, override the faith of a student for the sake of maintaining the ashram, because the ashram is spiritual. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the whole principle is to, is to honor the faith. Now, I mean, and people leave sampradayas and go to other sampradayas too. Some good Baladibhidibhusan joined the Madhva sampradaya, and then he came in contact with the Gaudi sampradaya, and his faith went in that direction. He left the Madhva Sampradaya and joined the Gaudiya Sampradaya. He didn't need to ask permission to do that, I mean, in one sense. Hmm. Now, you know, it's another thing if the Siksha Guru is, is criticizing your Nam Guru and trying to canvas you over here, you know, and hey, you know, you didn't get what you needed over there, I'm over here, I'm, and doing some sleight of hand so they can get your bodies in old age. And that goes on. And in an instance like that, then the Namaguru says, oh, I'm not going to, you know, give you my blessing for that. You know, these people are, are bogus. But it can work both ways, is my point. Hmm. So the Guru is just also a servant of the, of the faith, if you will. Hmm. Yes? So lineage, as it appears on the altar... Um, the Thakur is the guru of Babaji Maharaj, or they're both just there because they were both gurus? Because they're both gurus of Bhakti Siddhanta, and we don't have enough pictures. Um, after after Jagannath Das Babaji was the Siksha guru of Bhakti Vinod, some altars in our lineage will have a picture of him on there. Earlier than that, there are no photographs. So who was what do we do now? There was no camera. Uh oh, Bro- broken lineage. <laughs> who was Babaji's guru? I don't know. His Siksha guru, in, in one respect, was Bhakti Vinod, and Bhakti Vinod was his Siksha guru. They were contemporaries. I think he was initiated in the Advaita Paribar, but he himself. You know, stood out in a way that, that overshadowed his his guru. I mean, I was making the point about Bhakti Siddhanta, but he but he didn't really overshadow Gorkhasura Das Babaji. He was an extraordinary character too, in his own way. So yeah, we're just we, we, what we what Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsitakra taught his students was that when asked what your paribar is, your lineage is, uh, he say Bhakti Vinod paribar because of the prominent work of Bhakti Vinod. So 
there's a there's the Narutam Paribar, there's the Shamananda Paribar in Gaudiya Vaishnavism from hundreds of years ago. But they weren't started by Shamananda. They weren't started um, in, 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 in effect by Narutam. Narutam's guru was Lokanath, who was told by Mahaprabhu to go to Vrindavan and so forth. And, uh, but he, his, his um, contribution was such that you know, he's become, become the Narutam Paribar. Shamananda, for internal reasons, um, kind of a, a new Paribar formed around him, although he was a disciple of Hridaya Chaitanya, who was the disciple of Goridas Pandit um, in in in, in, in Lila. so um, it's uh, not unprecedented to draw your lineage to a prominent uh, person. Now, you could some people want to make Prabhupada like that, but Prabhupada himself considered himself a member of the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, so he's following the idea of interfacing with the modern world that came in Bhakti Vinod. So we call it the Bhaktivinod Paribar, and um, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could trace out the lineage of Gorkhasar Das Babaji Maharaj, but um, uh, I don't, I don't know anybody in our lineage or outside of it that's definitively been able to to do that. I mean, he was just a wandering, you know, person. He now he there are some Siksha gurus in his line. His Vaish guru, the guru whom we got the. Um, Babaji dressed for in the Babaji initiation was Bhagwat uh, Das Babaji, I think, uh, in Vrindavan, who advised him to go to Navadvip, which he did ultimately. I think he spent the last 30 years of his life in Navadvip. Hmm. Um, so there are some known, um, as I say, um, Bhagwat Das Babaji, I believe his name was, of um, gurus. Of Gorkhasar does probably, but particularly who was Diksha Gurus. I, I don't know. I don't know anybody that does. But he, they say some say that they they conjecture that he was in the Advaita Paribar, and Bhaktivinoda was in the Nityananda Paribar, coming from Janava. Hmm. Janava Mata. That is the formal, you know, connection he had. His Diksha Guru was Bipin Bihari Goswami. Mm-hmm. Um, for Bhaktivinoda Thakur, a kind of a crisis uh, in faith occurred when he worked hard to establish the actual birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through um, pursuing his own spiritual vision uh, in terms of uh, gathering empirical support for it, which he did with maps and and um, interviews and so forth, and quite a bit of research established the actual birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be in Mayapur rather than in Navadvip, where some people were claiming it was the birthplace, and he felt they were abusing that claim to you know, make a living of the pilgrims and so forth. So that was a very controversial thing that Bhaktivinoda was doing. It was unsettling the community of people connected with the so-called birthplace of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, um, when Bhaktivinoda Thakur's con- uh, empirical evidence was concluded and it conformed with his vision and so forth, then he he made started making his claim. This is the actual birthplace here, and then he wanted to secure it, and um, and he gave it gave the service to Bhakti Siddhanta and so forth. Well, at the time. Um, his Diksha Guru Bipin Bihari Goswami 
um, did not agree with his conclusions. Hmm? But Jagannath Das Babaji, who was a known Siddha and Avadut also, hmm, was brought to that place in a like in a, on a palanquin. He couldn't walk. He was so, over a hundred years old, and 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 he he became elated and started kind of dance at that place and confirmed that this was the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur, his Siksha Guru, we say, was Jagannath Das Babaji, and he confirmed the vision of the Thakur. And meanwhile, Bipin Bihari Goswami, his Diksha Guru, published in a newspaper that, that he rejected Bhaktivinoda Thakur as a disciple because of his um, his uh, what he did. So, um, yeah. So we draw the line to Gorkhasharda Babaji. Bhakti Siddhanta opinion was what we see things in Bhakti we know that we did not see in in um, Bipin Bihari Goswami, but those things we see in Jagadantas Babaji. So we draw the line like that. Meanwhile, of course, Bhakti Bhakti Vinod remained respectful to Bipin Bihari Goswami regardless, but he, you know, he kind of had a vision and was confirmed by someone over the head of. Of, of him and Bipin Bihari Goswami, so hmm. so these were interesting times in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, controversial uh, times then as they may be today. Nothing, nothing new, <laughs> par for the course. Huh? Um, so yeah, Raj, can I, you you commented that there's luminaries stand out in, in our tradition. It seems like those those particular Vaishnavas uh, started institutions, and those institutions seem like they became problematic. But Prabhupada would comment on Gorimath, and now seems to be problems in Prabhupada's institutions. And my question to you, and Bhaktivinoda seemed like he wanted those. So. Even though they're, they're, they may be problematic, is it is it still advantageous that they started these large institutions? Well, I think that um, Bhakti Vinod and uh, wanted a church of the holy name, and he was he was seeing that the world religions had their you know structure. Uh, Gaudi Vashtam was kind of like free free market, you know, um, type of a. Approach and um, with its emphasis on ragmarg, you're it kind of uh, drifts away from building big temples and and institutions and uh, weight loss programs to go along with the program, you know, uh, and helping people on many levels and so on and so forth. There was kind of the idea: this is the ragmarg, this is the paramhansa marg, and you and you become a babaji, and that's what you do. You know, even though they might not be qualified and so forth, so Bhakti Vinod envisioned, you know, some way to give some structure to the mission in a way that paralleled what other religious traditions had done, that that enabled them to endure and be around and and be more approachable by a larger uh, n- uh, number of people. Hmm? And so you have kind of two forms of institutionalization of the teachings. You have a soft form of that in the form of the literature, which institutionalizes and 
and gives the, here's the orthodox teaching. This is what it is. It turns the, as I say, the ecstasy of Mahaprabhu into something, or the, or the waterfall of his ecstasy into a lake that you could approach. Hmm? And now to add to that, to become more concrete and institutionalize on a harder level is to form a, you know, a mission around it. And then you need some management and um, organization. You need some buildings and structure and further, you know, decorum besides Trinada Peace and Ichena Tarora Peace and Lamani Namanadena Kirtaniya Sadahari. And so in order to speak to the world and uh, fulfill the prophecy of Mahaprabhu, his name we heard in every town and village, this was the idea of of Bhakti Vinod, it was given shape by Bhakti Siddhanta to open 64 mats, and some people criticized, well, this is rag- what happened to the Rag Marg, you know, he's going building these big temples, a lot of Aishwarya there, you know. Never mind that the Goswamis built really big temples in Vrindavan. Um, so, you know, there is a precedent for that. At their time, they had books, they built big temples. Hmm? Kings were patronizing them in Vrindavan, and... Uh, and so on and so forth. So um, that's one of the reasons we call Bhaktivinoda is called the seventh Goswami. He's kind of paralleling in modern times, 500 years later, some of the innovative work at the at the time of the founding of the Sampradaya. So he wrote many, many books, and he asked Bhaktisiddhanta to form a mission. Bhaktisiddhanta looked at like uh, okay, um, the Christian missionaries. Coming to India, he looked at Vivekananda, who had formed a Vedanta society, and had some success in the West, and, and they had their missions in India, and so forth. Ramakrishna Mission it was called. So he got different ideas from different institutions to give some structure, and then he, you know, he started Gaudiya Math. And so the institutionalization of it, if you will, in that form, was powerful, and it was part of the draw. To bring educated people, many uneducated people were just becoming Vaishnavas because whatever you know they were born that way or looked like a good way to go you know and uh, a good way to get by in life. Hmm? Um, uh, but he was getting college educated people to join and British people to to take notice of what what it was that they were you know they were about, and so it was effective in that way and. Um, um, you know, he himself, in the context of doing that, also saw the limitations of institutionalization and how there could be a downside to it, and he also spoke about it and wrote about it, hmm? even in the context of forming an institution. So, you know, the institutions are formed to support and uh, help to facilitate the flourishing of an idea, but it's possible that the harder the form of the institution, the more likelihood that it could get the better upper hand and the form could override substance so it happens at times um, I don't think that uh, that's particularly what happened to, to Gaudiya Moth but for different reasons it um, it didn't hold uh, as a singular um, institution um, I think largely due to lack of qualified uh, leadership, but eventually it did spawn into different, uh, several different missions, 
that had good leadership and um, opened temples, made devotees in India and so forth. And, um, and several of his disciples were, were able to do that. And then, of course, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada Bhavarji was very successful. But by the time he got involved in that, um, he was quite old, and some of them were old and older than him, even. And he came, you know, to the Americas, and uh, and uh, as they formed Chaitanya Saraswat Mat, uh, Gaudiya Vedanta Samiti, was Keshav Marsh's group. Uh, Madhav Marsh had one. I forget Chaitanya something. You know, there there were several of them. Uh, Prabhupada did the same thing, like them. He called it ISKCON, which was, you know, a more dynamic Western from Western point of view name with. Anachronism, you know, International Society for Krishna Consciousness, and and it had it, it had different type of members being newcomers from the West. It had a different feel, and uh, conformed, you know, somewhat to their sensibilities and so forth. Um, big institution. Its problems have been with its uh, spiritual leadership in terms of succession, and. Um, Perhaps um, uh, some inability to, in the name of fidelity to its founder, Charya, to distinguish between principles and details and make details into principles that then can um, get in the way of the dynamism of the, of the mission to continue to be, uh, to appeal to. Um, to uh, the, the um, audience, um, the time and circumstance, and, and audience, and uh, um, you know they've had a lot of problems with uh, with uh, spiritual leadership. So um, that's uh, probably now you take Chaitanya Saraswatmat. It had a, it's on its uh, one second uh, successor. First successor was Govinda Maharaj, and it's another one now. I think uh, Acharya Maharaj, and some others, and so. Uh, so some of these missions you don't know about. Madhav Maharaj's mission was his successor was Balabhadra Maharaj, who came to the West and did some touring. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, he hasn't quite passed on. He's about to. He's about to go into the, you know, third successor. Bhakti promote Puri Goswami Maharaj as successor in Bhakti. Uh, well, Bodhayan uh, Maharaj. So I mean, there. You know, it's not that every institution falls apart necessarily. Or you need it needs to be alive with real spiritual dynamism. They can kind of carry it on for a generation or so. You know, by on the momentum of the previous Acharya, but in order for it to keep really alive, it, it needs to give birth to a, some dynamic spiritual thinking in due course, I would, I would imagine. So. so, I mean, you know, there's benefits to that and there's potential downsides. I mean, there's benefits to writing the books. They're harder. It's harder to corrupt a book, <laughs> though people do it, corrupt interpretations, but... Um, than it is to you know, corrupt an institution. There's more potential there. But uh, it happens. So.
we go on from there. How many temples does the Gaudiya Math maintain today? Well, that's a good good question because it divided up and the main month was in Mayapur and then there was one in Calcutta and that was disputed. Who actually owns it? I don't know. Madras and Kurukshetra and all those months. I don't know how that's all ended up. Uh, they were in the courts for 40 years fighting over... Um, uh, however, I think it was... Eventually it was kind of divided into two sectors... Anantavasadeva who became Puri Maharaj and, and Bhakti Vilas Tirtha Maharaj and then they fought with one another and others went independent and started their own separate organizations like Madhav Maharaj, like, like uh, Sridhar Maharaj, like Prabhupada, Keshav Maharaj, to name a few. So all the details of the actual original moths of Bhakti Siddhanta and under whose auspices they are they, what their condition is, I don't know. I've been to the one in Madras oh, you Decades ago, I was there. I remember that. It seemed to be. Oh no, not in Madras. No, in yeah, I think in Madras. I was yeah. Um, but I don't know the details of. Uh, Prabhupada's mission is gone. It's been better at this corporate structure and so forth. And Western people are better at that. They've managed to keep it kind of well-structured. They have some offshoots of their own group um, that claim themselves to be the real Hiskon or something like that. We, we're a different, you know, group here, a different name, but... Um, anyway. So much for an institution. They have the value and... and they can... Probably, I was told... But Chitananda, he was there when Prabhupada formed ISKCON and signed the corporate papers. And he said, so now we're forming this International Society for Krishna Consciousness, but if it gets in the way in the future of Krishna Consciousness, then we'll, we'll disband it and start another one, something like that. That was his testimony. So Prabhupada had a bit of a dynamic spirit about it, the whole thing. All right, let's stop there. Sri Sri Gaurada Madhava Ki Jai, Guru Parampara Ki Jai. Gurbhakti Vrindaki Kachana, Gurpremanam Nidhi.